We don't just come together, do we, to because uh, it's a nice thing to do. We come together trusting in what Jesus said when he said, where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst. And so for a moment, let's recognise that Jesus is among us. That his spirit comes to minister into our hearts and our lives. I don't know how much of tonight's message will be relevant to you and your walk with Jesus right now. Maybe all of it, maybe some of it. My prayer is that God would minister to each of us in whatever way he chooses and that we'd have open hearts to hear, receive and live out whatever we are, whatever we hear tonight from him. Lord, would you meet us where we are right now? Would we continue to recognise your presence among us? Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Blessed be your name when the sun's shining down on me, when the world's all as it should be, blessed be your name. And how many of us can also continue to honestly say, blessed be your name on the road marked with suffering. And it all gets a little bit tough. When life throws things at us that we barely know how to deal with. And as I was thinking about this evening, often when I've been asked to, to speak, I say to God, I have no idea, no idea what you want me to speak on. And I, 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 love, I love the uh, letter Paul wrote to the Philippians. And I, I came across this single phrase in chapter 4 just as he's coming to the end of his letter that says I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation so tonight I want us to have a think about the secret of contentment so if you've got a bible we're going to read a little bit further around that verse uh, from Philippians chapter 4 verses 6 to 13 do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your requests to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. 
I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Now there are lots of things that make me happy. The sunshine makes me happy. Good food. Spending time with friends and family. Lowering my personal best time at Park Run. A rebate from the taxman. Witnessing kindness. And many, many other things. There are also things that make me unhappy. The rain. Rudeness. I had an encounter with a dental receptionist this week which made me a little unhappy. Uh, People who think that if they put their hazard lights on they can park wherever they want. Uh, A lack of sleep. But it is my favourite. Endless surveys that want to check if I'm happy. (laughs) Ask the average person on the street what makes them happy and answers would be many and varied. But among them surely would be a focus on money, job satisfaction, success, relationships, possessions, holidays. But do they really make people happy? I found this little short story about an airline pilot who was flying over a mountain range and pointed out a lake down below to his co-pilot. See that little lake, he said, When I was a kid, I used to sit in a rowing boat down there fishing. And every time a plane would fly over, I'd look up and wish I was flying it. Now, I look down and wish I was in a rowing boat fishing. (laughs) You know what, we can wish for things in life, can't we? And and, and sometimes when we get them, they don't fulfil what we wish for. That's to do with um, success and, and uh, you know, job satisfaction. But what about relationships? Well, sometimes relationships let us down as well. I found this humorous but rather sad example of two teardrops that were floating down the river of life. And one teardrop said to the other, Who are you? I'm a teardrop from a girl who loved a man and lost him. Who are you? The other replied, I'm a teardrop from the girl who got him. Happiness and contentment, however, are not the same thing. Because our happiness is based on things that happen, on our circumstances. It's ever-changing. But contentment is steady, it's unwavering, it's deep. See, if I was to point to a part of my body where I think happiness is, I'd probably say it's kind of around this bit of my body. But if you ask me where contentment is, it's right down there in the depths of my being. 
You know, Paul, who wrote the words that we read, had plenty of reasons to be unhappy. In one of his letters, in 2 Corinthians 11, 23 and following, he lists all the things that he's been through. He's been in prison, he's been severely flogged, he's been exposed to death over and over. Five times he's received 39 lashes, three times he's been beaten with rods, he's been stoned, shipwrecked three times, and spent a day and night in the open sea, just to name a few. And he goes on in the following chapter to then highlight this, this thorn in the flesh, this, this thing that a messenger of Satan comes to torment him with. We don't know what it is. Paul has experienced much unhappiness. And when he writes these words, he's in prison, awaiting trial and likely execution. Paul's circumstances and situation were not a happy one. And yet he makes this incredible claim, I've learnt the secret of being content in any and every situation. Doesn't that make me just go, wow. So what is Paul's secret? Now when I think about secrets, it makes me think of KFC. (coughs) KFC will tell you that they've got a secret blend of 39 herbs and spices that very, very few people know about. Coca-Cola, they've got a secret recipe uh, to, to their drinks. Very, pe- very few people know the secret of those recipes, those ingredients. But we don't need to look far to find Paul's secret to contentment. Because Paul's contentment is based on an inner sense of peace that comes from being right with God and knowing that he is sovereign in every situation. It's the inner experience and enjoyment of Christ. It's wholehearted captivation by Christ. And all of Paul's contentment can be summed up in these words from chapter 1 and verse 21. For to me... To live is Christ, and to die is gain. Paul's saying here is, on earth, it's Christ, Christ, Christ. And when I die, it's even more of Christ. You know, Paul lived for Jesus Christ wholeheartedly. His life and breath was centred on him. His way of living focused on him. And from the moment he had that face-to-face encounter with Jesus on the Damascus Road, he walked in step with his spirit and honoured Christ in every possible way. Paul was transformed from being a man who found happiness in persecuting followers of Christ to being overwhelmed by Christ and finding contentment in him. Do you know what? Paul's writings clearly reflect who and what shapes his life. Across all of Paul's New Testament letters, he uses the phrase in Christ over 80 times. There are only two letters that he doesn't mention that phrase. Some of those examples are in 2 Corinthians 5, it says, anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. In Christ, you are children of God through faith. You were washed, justified and sanctified in the name of Jesus Christ. 
probably one of the most beautiful verses. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, if you want a bit of bedtime reading later, struggling with the heat, read Paul's letter to the Ephesians. Because in the, book of, in the letter to the Ephesians alone, in just six chapters, Paul mentions the phrase, in Christ, or through Christ, 27 times in just those six chapters. Go and look at it, read it, and see what it means to be in Christ. See the blessings that you know you can have and experience in Christ. You see, Paul's contentment is no real secret. But how real is that contentment for us in daily life, no matter our circumstances? If you're sitting there tonight feeling that contentment in Christ, can I just celebrate it? Celebrate that contentment in Jesus that you have. And if you're looking for it, then follow Paul's example to find it. Because when you get that inner contentment in Jesus, you won't be disappointed. Well, from the passage we've read, I want to consider just two aspects of Paul's contentment in Christ. And the first one is the contentment that Paul has in Christ's peace, guarding him. And the second one is Paul's contentment in Christ's ways, sustaining him. Oh, there we go. That's what I wanted. So the first one, contentment in Christ's peace, guarding him. Uh, Verses 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I love these verses. Here Paul recognises that life can throw anxiety and worry at us. There is plenty of it around. And Paul doesn't dismiss that. He doesn't say anxiety and worry don't exist. What he says is, don't be anxious. Don't worry. Don't let it consume you. Don't let it eat you up. You see... Someone once said that worry is like a rocking chair. It gives us something to do, but it actually won't get us anywhere. And Jesus himself, of course, in the Sermon on the Mount, told us not to worry. He told us not to worry about what we eat or drink, what we wear, and then said, look at the birds, they don't sow, they don't reap, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And you are much more valuable than the birds. He says, look at the lilies. They don't labour or spin. And yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed like one of them. And if God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and gone tomorrow, how much more will he clothe you? Paul says, don't be anxious for anything, but in everything... I've emphasised that word everything, by prayer and petition, present your requests to God. And the word everything means exactly that. Because the truth is, there is no area of your life that Jesus is not interested in. 
There's nothing you're going through that he hasn't been through. There's no temptation that he hasn't had to bear. There's no feeling of hardship or struggle that he hasn't endured, right up to the point of death. Prayer is not an endless list of wants, but it is a daily walk with God in worship and communication, of speaking and listening and dwelling on his never-changing promises. And within that, bringing to God the concerns of our lives and those of others, presenting our requests to God. But look at how Paul says we are to do this. He says we're to do it with thanksgiving. You see, the thing is, when we pray with thanksgiving, we illuminate the awesomeness of God. We recall the way he has kept his faithful promises. We recognise his presence. We change our thinking. Because you see, when we put an all-knowing, sovereign, future-holding God in his rightful place, our worries and concerns get put firmly into perspective. And there's this exchange that takes place. Our anxieties for his peace. And Paul describes it as a peace that we simply cannot, with our human minds, understand. And he describes it as a peace that guards both our minds, what we think, and our hearts, what we feel. And all this happens in Christ Jesus. Reminds me of that of the lovely hymn, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? Precious Saviour, still our refuge. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful who will all our sorrow share? <coughs> Precious Saviour, still our refuge. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Paul found contentment in Christ's peace, guarding him. And he doesn't keep the secret to himself. He lays it out and says, follow my example and you can have it too. And the second thing I want us to think about just for a few minutes is the con- Paul's contentment in Christ's ways sustaining him. Paul outlines to his readers and to us a number of things that we should continually think about, meditate on and live by in verses 8 and uh, uh, in verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. That list of things doesn't need much explanation, does it? Things that are true, things that are noble, those with good personal qualities, things that are right, things that are pure, lovely, admirable, excellent and praiseworthy. And when I look through that list, I see those qualities in just one person, Jesus Christ. I see those things in the way he lived his life. 
And these are the ways in which we are to live. Paul says we're to think about them. But he doesn't mean just give them a casual thought, but he wants them to sink deep into our being and become the way that we live our lives. Because Paul knew there was contentment in the ways of Christ. Jesus Christ had captivated his life and in one of his other's letters he says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. He'd found for himself that living the way of Christ, living by these qualities, brought about contentment and he wants to pass that on. He says in verse 9, if you follow these ways of living that you see in me, the things that I've followed by living Christ's way, you will know God's peace. You will know contentment. To live any other way, to live opposite to these values, is going to bring us discontent. I'm going to tell you a story about my in-laws now. And our in-laws, my, my, our in-laws, my in-laws were watching a, a, a series, a TV series, and it was coming towards the last couple in the series. But the content was just starting to get a little bit questionable as to whether they felt that they should watch it or not. But they so wanted to watch it because they'd watched the first five or six and they wanted to see it to the end. Jokingly, Sally and me wrote out the words of Philippians 4 verse 8 and put it on top of their TV (laughs) and left it there. Now, I don't know whether they watched the last one or two in the series or not. I have no idea. But what I do know is that reference still sits in a drawer just under their TV. It's still there because I saw it. We can, um, we can so get drawn into things, can't we, that, um, that are just not helpful. Um, and it takes, t- takes courage sometimes, doesn't it, to, to, to step away from those and say, you know, those, those are not Christ's ways. They're not going to bring me deep contentment, that continued contentment in my heart. And I need to be really honest with you now about myself it's all very well to poke fun at my in-laws, but I can tell you there's been times in my life when I've chosen to live contrary to Christ's ways. When I've chosen things that weren't pure, that weren't lovely, that weren't admirable. And some of those things, maybe for a short time, brought me temporary happiness, or so I thought. But I can honestly say that in those times that deep sense of contentment that I said was right down here suddenly wasn't there anymore. I can honestly say that. And when I repented and came back to ask God's forgiveness and knew Jesus' grace and mercy again, And by his spirit walked in his ways, that contentment returned. The ways of Christ sustain us and bring us contentment. 
and the peace of God guards us and brings contentment. You see, happiness is dependent on happenings. But true contentment is dependent on Christ. Paul says, I've learned the secret of contentment. It is a life that is lived in Christ, for Christ, through Christ and with Christ. It is all about Christ. So much so that in verse 13 he says, I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Christ is his source of contentment and his all-sufficiency. And my prayer for each of us, and I, and I hope for each other, that he is ours too. Amen.